Hi, I'm Doyle. And I'm Jordan, and I've got something to say. Um, we've got a topic we want to cover tonight. Um, Doyle and I have kind of talked a little bit about this um, and just kind of want to get it like a, a little bit of an introductory uh take on this because this is i think uh sort of a thing that's going to be developing and uh, we want to be sure that uh we don't try to um encapsulate our entire opinion about it because we don't know exactly what's going to be unfolding with it uh but we want to we want to get kind of our first thoughts about what's going on here because honestly to me it's a little it's a little crazy um so i just kind of want to broach the topic uh so this is again around the the pandemic situation that we're in and kind of the idea of you know getting people back to work reopening the economy reopening sort of civil society things out there outside of our own homes and um you know getting back to uh that normal life doing the things we all uh, used to to love to do even aside from work um and you know all of that sort of stuff is very important for the human psyche and just kind of the human experience generally. Um, and, and that's, that, that's interesting. And I think at some point I, w- I would like to talk about that. And I know Doyle, you have a lot of thoughts about that too, yes. but uh, particularly one of the things that I want to talk about is something that I know is a guideline in Washington state and also in Maine. Uh, this may be the case in other states as well with kind of their reopening plans, um, but I'm not sure uh, which of them it, it would apply to. But just the fact that this exists in any state to me is a little silly, um, and I kind of want to talk about it. And, and what that is is that um, – and I, I'm not sure about the wording with uh, Maine's. I do know that they have a similar thing in place, but for Washington State um, – for restaurants particularly they're going to allow them allow whatever the the uh government uh um order or how however you want to couch it is going to have verbiage to say that they can operate restaurants can operate with uh in in you know, facility dining. So they're going to welcome in customers again, uh, which one I think is a great thing that, that that's going to be, uh, be happening. Um, but there's a stipulation in this phase of the reopening plan that uh, those restaurants have to collect the information for the people who dine inside their restaurant. So first, I think in Washington State, it's at least first name, last name, phone number, and email address. So they have to have a registry of every individual who comes in and dines there. And Maine has a similar thing where they have to keep that re- registry, but they I'm not sure what details uh, Maine requires. I just know that I saw some of that about Washington State. And so to me, that's extremely um, silly, one. Uh, and two, it's a little bit of a dangerous precedent. But I, that, that's me diving in a little too fast. L- let me at least give the rationale that they present for wanting to, to get that information. They, What I have read, and this, uh, I've not read the actual um, or government orders, so take that for what it's worth. But from what I have read, the reasoning behind the collection of this information is so that if there is an outbreak in particularly that restaurant or in that area of uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, the coronavirus, then they can use that information to contact and make those people aware that that happened. And then, you know, just in a general sense for uh, contact tracing. So to see who had contact with 
whom um, during this reopening period, um, which I think that that is a real overblown rationale. So let's take out the contact uh, tracing part. We'll talk about that second. First, to talk about the um, the notification aspect of it. Well, it's going to be very publicized if there's an outbreak at, at a restaurant or near a restaurant that you've gone to after all of this. And is, is, there gonna, go ahead. is there an unsubscribe button? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, anytime uh, you, your email address aren't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or or a double opt-in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, it's, it's, one of, it's, it's really silly f- for that because if you will know if you've dined at that restaurant and, and when you did, um, or at least approximately when you did, and, or and in, the, in that area, right? So the, the notification aspect of it is a little silly because I, I, I'm taking the risk going out that I know that that might happen, that I might get uh, infected. So then it's on. It's my responsibility to keep up with, has there been any outbreak to know if I'm infected or not? But the reality is, if I'm worried about being infected, well, I'm probably, if it's a problem, then either one, I'm probably already uh, sick or, you know, have been impacted. Or two, I've already infected the person I'm, I'm worried about impacting with that. So it's really, it makes no sense from that those grounds. And then the other side about contact tracing, um, that what's the end to that is becomes the question, right? Um, do we start a registry for all businesses always for who's gone where, whenever? Um, so how, how is that not de facto, you know, uh, surveillance of all of our economic activity, which is an extremely dangerous precedent for lots yeah. of different reasons. But Adol, I've, I've talked a lot. I don't let you kind of speak to this a bit, sure. what you think about it. it. It seems simpler with the, the, the rationale behind it that, that you, you uh, alluded to just contact trace the employees in the restaurant and let the patrons opt in to be notified. If one of them becomes infected, sure. Then, then you can, they can accomplish the same thing without the uh, unsettling aspect of, hey, to eat here, come give us your information. Uh, give us information that is otherwise protected. And, and, and I understand the, the, the public health argument behind, you know, uh, uh, losing some of your privacy. But uh, I, I think to your point, you know, you mentioned a time or two, it's, it's sort of silly sounding in a way. Because why stop it at restaurants? Yeah. Why not go to have have a registry every you know at every Walmart? Have you have you log in to Walmart when you walk in, or log in to the local grocery store, so that they know that you're you're there on what day and time? You know, it's it's uh it really is is uh on the border of borderline of you know uh, 1984ish. Um, here's the thing too is that um, it can only be argued from the the, uh, perspective of this order or the recommendation or whatever it is with this not it's a requirement this this uh, registration of of people who come to the restaurants is a requirement Um, it's it's a condition of of, uh, reopening Uh, it it, uh, it can be 
I, I don't see the argument from the side of the person going to the restaurant, right? It's for right. your your right. protection or safety. If that's the case, let that person make the decision if they if they think that it's it's a, it's risky a risk they're willing to bear by going to that restaurant. Um, sure. So then, only only it must be a recommendation or, or a requirement rather from the side of uh, the people who may be second degree contacts. But then, isn't it on the the responsibility of those second degree contacts to, you know, be aware the, of the people that they, you know, associate with? That hey, have you been anywhere? If if I'm really concerned about the virus uh, and I'm going to meet up with somebody, you know, let's just say we still socially dis distance or physically distance ourselves. I hate social distance using that term, mm-hmm. but we physically distance ourselves and maybe we even have masks, maybe we even have gloves, whatever. Um, it's still on the side of whoever's concerned about getting infected to verify it, it, responsibility cannot be abdicated for your own health, for your own safety. And as soon as you think that you can, then you're completely unsafe because you have no control over it. Um, well, so that, that it, it's problematic because uh, you take that to the extreme and then basically it, it, it's just, it's clear that it's just a feel good activity. It's, it has no, uh, efficacy and no, uh, bearing other than one feel good and two, uh, control grab. So, I mean, that's right. how, and, and, and then just the monitoring aspect to me, that's the most insidious part of it because we're pretty used to government control grabbing and, uh, we're, we're used to, you know, public campaign for feel good stuff. You know, the, the, the whole part, the, the feel-good stuff, I, I understand the the uh, bureaucrats and the politicians yeah. trying to, to uh, uh, and I'll use the word pander, pander to their supporters or potential supporters uh, by saying the feel-good things. They have incentive uh, to do that. That's exactly right. They've got a, yeah, a high, high motivation, you know, getting reelected. Um, and, and heaven forbid they should do the right thing and, and get the right result to get reelected. But that's, that's a topic for another uh, discussion later, but the whole part about uh, forcing control on individual freedoms. Um, uh, and, and I, you know, I, uh, this, everything uh, we, we've seemed to talk about recently has been, you know, centering around, you know, liberty and freedoms and individual freedoms. And I think let's just go ahead and, and call it out that uh, we're coming from a spot of, of individual liberty and, and understanding of what that means to the individual and not at what's been, quote unquote, bestowed upon the individual by the government. And this feels like a giant smack in the face of that individual liberty. Uh, to your point uh, earlier about, well, if, if I'm worried about uh you know, getting uh, uh, infected by something, well, then it's incumbent upon me to make the decision to protect myself from that. It's not incumbent upon the government to take information from me to be able to protect me. And quite frankly, we know that this is not to protect me. It's to protect the government and others that that the the government or the, the politicians are pandering to it's not it's um, not a protection thing it's 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 a, a theater it's security theater is what it is right yeah it's absolutely. to make it look like something's going to happen when or, or, or be effective uh and uh and not only that it's i i truly think that it's another uh a thorn to set up a divide because you're going to have people who like us you know uh are not just reticent but are um almost offended by the idea that that government says that you can they not just you can but you have to be doing this sort of data collection um 
but there, but those of us like like us that would voice that, um, we're going to irritate those who think that it's a true helpful measure, and people who may not have actually tried to analyze what e- efficacy there is with that sort of a measure. Um, and maybe they have, maybe they truly believe that that measure is uh, beneficial. That's totally fine. Here's the thing. Uh, the government doesn't have to require that. The people can demand that of of the businesses that are trying to serve oh, sure. them and say, "I'm not going to go to you unless you tell me that you're collecting everybody's information and you and you collect my information when I come and you can post that you're doing that and then you know I'll I'll have that uh, peace of mind that I feel like I require to go and patronize your establishment and those of us who well. I, who feels like I do, can see that this this uh, this uh, uh, restaurant says that they're collecting that information for those people, and I can know that I will avoid that restaurant because I don't agree with that sort of um, a mechanism or that approach at all whatsoever. And then everybody's happier, you know, that they're able to serve the people, and the people who want that kind of service will get that kind of service. And people like me who do not want to be involved with that don't have to be involved with that. And I understand it's my choice if I would want to go to one of these restaurants anyway, but it's but it. The, the problem is that you have this third party that is getting inside of our economic activity and, and um, you know, people want to have this cry that, oh, boo-hoo, your economic activity, I'm more worried about safety. That's fine. Be worried about safety. Stay home. Don't go to this restaurant. I, I guarantee you that, that that proprietor, that restaurant, if they knew that, that you were upset about or you were concerned about safety, they would rather you not come in their restaurant and they'd rather serve people like me who would, who would be okay with doing that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't want to have to be these these restaurants don't want to have to be subjected to any less efficient activity than what they have to go through. They, but unless they really believe that it would be helpful, and and if the proprietor thinks that, more power to him or her to to uh, implement such a a. a, a to implement such a, a, a scheme, uh, the reality of it is, um, it would if it weren't for this. The coronavirus situation, all of us know that wouldn't be stood for by anybody in any right. sense of, of, of any timeline. Like it, it, it would, it would have to be either one of two things: the government forces it, which is what we're seeing here, or two, uh, uh, there's literally no other option, and there cannot be any other option. And the only way for that to happen is to, for government to stop some other option from cropping up. Right. So let me ask you a question here: Do you think? Uh, let's take the, the the national chain restaurants out of the the, the this sure. question focus for just for a moment because the, the 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 operators the local operators of those chains they they have to do uh, as they're told to from from on high from the corporate right certainly versus locally owned you know some of the the restaurants that are that are locally owned and you know may have only one location or one or two small locations in a city or something like that and I mean they they. Uh, obviously, they, they're they're small businesses. Um, do you think that? Uh, and this is certainly an opinion, and it's not. Uh, it, I wish we could have researched this. Do you believe or think that these smaller restaurant operators that uh, are struggling with the the uh, shutdown and are interested into in the the opening back up? Do you think that they believe? Uh, in the controls, in the practices, uh, you know, in the, you know, the, 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 the 
orders as as the government has put in place, you know, for them to shut down and not open up and only 50%, 25% or 50% and, you know, shutting down their bars and nobody can walk up to the bar and order anything. It's all table-based and they got to be, you know, tables have to be six to 10 feet away from each other. Do you think they would do that or believe that they need to do that if the government wasn't telling them that they needed to do that? Um, I think that... Uh, well, they would do that for that matter. I think that it, it depends on the individual who's running this, who who owns and runs the establishment, right? I think that it depends on their their uh, uh, perspective, their opinion, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. some of the opinion, like uh, small businesses, all businesses, but particularly small businesses, run a lot on the the entrepreneurial opinion of the the proprietor, and I, I think that that's the way that it should be because then uh, it's easier to match. Uh, uh, values as a consumer with the proprietor of your establishment. That's 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 to, to me. That's really one of the drawbacks of things like chains is that that part gets abstracted away, and you get this homogenous, uh, un undecipherable, uh, you know, vanilla speak from these huge uh, uh, organizations that that are just trying to offend as few people as possible and be relevant to as many people as possible. I don't think that that on their face that there's anything wrong with those chains, but that's why I have personal distaste for them. Um, so I think that, that you would that you would see a variety of those things. I think the more interesting question, though, which is kind of, I think, in along the same lines as that one, is um, what would the preference be uh, given a, a random chance of a particular proprietor being for or against, let's say 50-50 chance for or against those measures, uh, what is the likelihood that they fall out where they would implement them? Right, because there's a there there's uh there's the scenario where they're against it and they still follow the the order. They're they're against it and they don't follow the order. They're for it and they don't follow the order. Or they're for it and they do follow the order. And then one of those is the most interesting economics scenario, and that's the mm-hmm. one where they're for it but they don't follow it. Which is I mm-hmm. think what you would find uh not not intentionally, but uh, but you're gonna find things like um malicious compliance you'll find things like uh uh, uh lack of um uh diligence in in applying it uh because there's an economic cost to applying mm-hmm. this and that economic cost the large chains can amortize that cost across all of their business whereas a a, a proprietor of a single establishment cannot so they must bear all of that cost within that single establishment and this right. is the part where people don't really understand economics like at the public public at large and they don't really need to it's totally fine that they don't because all they need to know is am i being served the way that i want to at a, at a price and at a you know are all the things that i care about with this service are they are they okay for me that's all they need to know and that's what that's the beauty of free market economics is that's all they need to know and they know that instinctively just because it because it's their preference i mean because they mm-hmm. they could they could pick an irrational decision quote unquote irrational decision but it doesn't matter because they don't have to be a rational actor they just have to be the economic actor but the 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 economic calculation aspect of it is important for people who try to run businesses and try to understand where are my costs where can i save on costs so that i can you know uh price my uh whatever competitively services uh products whatever competitively that cost that has to be borne by the small operator for enforcing 
regulations like this is mm-hmm. disproportionately high than uh, versus a a large chain. Thus, these kind of regulations are effectively market protections for large chains, and people right. don't understand that. They they think that uh, they, they want to talk about how large corporations are terrible. These are exactly the reasons why large corporations become terrible is because they get this kind of prote- uh, indirect protectionism that they don't that people just don't realize is that's what's happening will happen in the market whether right. it's intended right. or not. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned uh, about people that would they be, uh, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but about uh, militant compliance or something like that. Malicious um, compliance. It's, it's malicious a, that's, compliance. That's the term where, where uh, I, I'm going to, uh, it's like, here, uh, sweep up this floor and then yeah. you give it to me and then I just like really, and, and then I, I sweep it, but I, it doesn't really get clean because of the way that I'm doing it. It's like inefficient right. and not a correct approach, right. but I did it. Uh, but, but I think uh, another way to look at uh, that the question of you know participation and compliance and and not so much in an economic way but just in a psychological way is look at some of the 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 uh, areas of the country where people have been pushing back on the orders yeah. California Michigan uh, you know Florida um, you know even in in, in smaller uh, degrees in, in other locations where Texas. they're pushing against Texas where they're actually pushing against the government and and people you know they're saying oh you're you're called you're going to kill people people are going to die because of this and and I think the 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 point about the small business the small operator uh, in the restaurants that I, that I, I really wanted to call out and was they are probably better equipped to make that individual decision about their operation right now uh, as a as a patron of that of that operator if they choose to be a little careless to your point earlier then that becomes that becomes my responsibility to make sure as long as they're not violating uh, other um the standard health standards that we have right you know as far as food preparation and things of that sort but uh but not this pandemic uh public health kind of uh, guidance or orders that have, have come down um because they're looking at it and we always people always talk about well we're saving lives with this with, with this quarantine during the pandemic we, we, we are there, there's i don't think anyone with any modicum of common sense would would argue that there aren't some lives being saved but it doesn't mean that we're not losing lives too well, I mean, the the the, the it's a it's a, a a non-argument saying that we're saving lives because we we would be saving other kinds of lives by going out and and exactly. not not being quarantined. So it's I I don't I don't I won't grant the ground that we are saving lives by doing this because that's a non-argument because it's it's a it's a it's a how do how do you look is this gla- glass half empty or half full and and right. and they're saying it's half full it's half full it's half full well no it's also half empty you have to be realistic it's also half empty right right. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I guess the point I was I was driving at is is if you follow this funnel, and that you have this this business proprietor that is making a decision for his or her business, uh, let's say a restaurant, and let's say the government didn't say you can only open at twenty five or fifty percent capacity, and then they chose to 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 open it up full bore, their employees didn't want to work in that scenario. I got it. It's it's a harsh decision, but it's still a decision whether or not mm-hmm. to show up for work. Sure. Right? No, nobody is an indentured servant in this country. 
Right. Not legally. If they are, then there's, you know, the, the, well, that's not legal. <laughs> that's, that's correct. <laughs> right. If they are illegally in an indentured servant, then, then that's, that's a, that's a, something that needs to be, you know, addressed and corrected. Yeah. Uh, so it's always a choice. Sure. Now they may feel like they don't have a choice, but there's always a choice if they open up for the full. And then there are people that if there's demand there, then, uh, you know, they will, then, then, then there's that risk that they are, consciously or unconsciously uh choosing to bear by coming out and and getting but they're doing it today all over the thing is they have to know their community too particularly again i'm focused on small operator here right you know one restaurant two restaurants um they have to know their community because it's a double it's a double full risk for them if they were to open like full bore let's say because the reason being is they have to understand if their community is of a temperament that that's going to piss them off that that you did that right right? so if you open up full bore and then they your community is not ready for that and they chastise you for that you get the the uh the punishment the the negative side of risk of not having your patrons for that the the expense of being opened and you get the reputation damage of doing that because people will shame you for it. it there are good mechanisms within the market to control such things you don't need a decree from government on high but everybody right. thinks that it, this is what's so silly to me um I, the argument here is that the these business owners are greedy and they want to open up and just so that they can make money but here's the thing if people didn't want them to open up they wouldn't make any money people would be like heck right. no i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna spend money at that i don't agree with that the problem is that they want the they they want to control not just the business they want to uh, they are affecting whether they want to or not i don't care i'm not going to cast judgment on their intent they are affecting not just the business owners but the people who want to patronize those businesses as well and those people exist at least some of those people exist and they never talk about the impact of those people it's always the greedy business owners that they're focused on business owners don't make money uh, particularly small operators don't make any money on being greedy it just it and the thing is, the orders that you're talking about are helping the ones that are uh, more well off already. You're, you're protecting right. them. It's just so frustrating because it's like it is. You got to think about the system. And all of this coming from this restaurant registry, which, which we only went down one path here of of the the, the ramifications and, and some of the potential um, unintended consequences. We haven't talked about many of the of the consequences per se, just more of the, the 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 circumstances. But you know, there there are a myriad of of unintended consequences that can come out of this because it's it's you know Pandora's box to some extent. And that, yes. that's always the fear. That's always the fear of the the infringement of rights, right? Is that okay? We're we're oh, just a little farther. Oh, just a little farther. Oh, just a little farther. And before you know it, there are none left. There, how do you roll that back? None. The problem. Right. The problem is if if it sits around for twenty years, it's permanent. It's permanent because what happens is you have children that are born and grow to voting age by the time that it even starts talking about rolling it back and then it's too late then because they're used to it and there's a large percentage that that uh, that that's their normal that they don't want to change right, right. and it's that, just the society that 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 individual those individuals uh you know as you said were born and grew up in yeah and so it's, you know, it's that, strange that, man that also leads me to to a, a, another uh a topic teaser topic to throw out um 
I went to a one of these little half-day management seminars a couple of years ago. Um, I've gone to a number of these over the years, and and most of them are, you know, uh, they're they're interesting for five minutes or ten forgettable. minutes, and forgettable. <laughs> uh, that's very true. Um, you know, with all good intent. Sure. Well, the teachers or instructors were, were very, you know, interesting, engaging for the most part. Yeah. I don't remember anyone ever going to any one of these things. And I'm talking about the little half day things, the, you know, the, the $200, $250 deals that you go and, and they, they just, you know, throw a whole uh, semester of management or leadership or whatever the topic is. They pour it into you all at one time and, you know, and you go out with a thimble full of the, that you keep. Well, I went, when I went to about two years ago, um, the individual, and, and I'll, I'll bring him up later, bring his name up later in, in a future podcast, because I would love to have a conversation about him. I think he's just got a lot of, uh, a lot of good traits, a lot of good principles and practices that, uh, that have been very inspiring to me. But he talked about, in the workforce today, it's the first time in history that we that we have five generations in the workforce simultaneously. And talking about the dynamics, so he was talking from a standpoint of, of of management, how to deal with the different the generational difference differences in 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 the uh, personalities and the work you know uh, uh, ethics and the work philosophy and and not that. Not that one generation is necessarily harder working, uh, per se, but they are different working, yeah. and and they're engaged for different reasons. And uh, uh, he mentioned about the uh, the uh, uh, millennials, and he described he described each generation, you know, over the course of a, of a few minutes, but in such a concise way that. Uh, at my age, I'm, I'm, I am in one of the, uh, one of those five generations, uh, but I'm familiar with all five of them to some extent. And, you know, you, uh, it was clearly, it, it was like getting, you know, uh, a history lesson, an Amer- you know, a, a 19th century, or a 20th century history lesson, U.S. history lesson, you know, in 30 minutes. I mean, it just was just, but it was so compelling and made so much sense to me. He presented it in such a way that was, it, it stuck with me for two years. Um, uh, and that, it, to to your point about the the change in in rights and 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 the the, mm, the not change freedom, rights. Correct. The, the, the change the, in the, law, just it's easier to, to say this change in law, right? The change in law and how things that, you know, the one generation, the generation, I'm in a baby boomer uh, generation, but how the, the laws that the gener- baby boomer boomers would look at and go, oh, that's horrendous that maybe, you know, the millennials or the uh, X generation, generation X or generation Z, they may look at it and go, that's normal. That's just, you know, that, what's so bad about that? It's uh, based on how they grew, how they grew up. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think there's, there's some really compelling things to, to think about there that would help, uh, at least me have a clearer picture and understanding of why so many, uh, citizens and, and people in the, in the United States today don't question some things that to me, I just can't fathom not being questioned. Well, it's the, because, because it's registering when you go to a restaurant. Yeah. Well, the, 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 that's, that's precisely the point I was, uh, uh, I was getting at. And I think that you're just articulating it more is yeah. that, uh, about the, the, the kid being born into a certain state. And then 18 years later, uh, all of that's normal to him or her. Right. Um, it's, it's, uh, I don't know if this is a real term for it, but I, I call it progressive normalization. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I say progressive, I don't mean necessarily like, 
What's that? That's not really the scientific term. It's a great term. I, I well, don't yeah, like it. And when I say progressive, I don't necessarily mean like progressive, like progressivism well, per se, although there, a lot of that is, is enshrined in that too, or comes into that. But when I say progressive normalization is like something that's not, that would be, that's wildly aberrant. And when I say aberrant, I'm not trying to cast a moral judgment in any sort of way, but just literally aberrant to um, somebody at point A, you take A plus 20 years, it is unlikely to be aberrant if in any way it has gained any sort of social acceptance. Um, and so the, the danger in that is not progressive normalization in itself, right? Because progressive nor- we need progressive normalization, right? That's how we have kids that uh, uh, can can deal with technology that you know some generations can't even deal with. We need that to progress as a species. The problem is that progressive normalization gets hijacked uh, by, uh, I-, I think, by interests that are intent on pushing things that aren't necessarily in humanity's best interest. They're in, they're in the best interest for a certain group. And the problem is that I think people who are you know, societal commentators uh, at large are either, one, they fall into the machinery that helps promote that, or two, they're focused on the wrong thing that is the cause of they, – they are like halfway there. They've half identified that this progressive normalization is the problem, but they believe that it's something different that's causing it, that it's the, the corruption of large uh, uh, organizations in capitalism or it's just the corruption of capitalism itself. Capitalism is, is, is corrupted or it's you know overly conservative values that are, that are corrupt. And it's like, no, there, there's something more fundamental than that. I, we could go to a whole podcast about that, and I, I would like to talk about that some. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's one reason why I brought that point up because I yeah. thought that would be a really good um, um, a nugget to throw out from the standpoint of planting a seed for for a future future podcast. Okay. I do want to wrap up with one one example of uh, malicious compliance that I was talking to my wife about uh, regarding this restaurant registry thing, though, because I thought it was funny. I was like, if 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 I were in one of these uh, states running a restaurant where that was required of me, I would have my maitre d uh, stand at the door and say, as soon as uh, some lady comes in the door, and say, Ah, uh, Miss Jane Adams, good to see you again, and then she would be taken aback and say, What? Uh, and, and and I would have my clip board there i was going to write this down uh you're miss jane adams right and just not kind of inflect it like that and then either she would get it and be like oh yeah uh, sorry i didn't hear what you said and like okay i write down jane adams or whatever um Or, or if not, then okay. Well, what's your name? And write it down. The other uh, example was that that it's like, um, oh, oh, your name's John Smith. Okay, you know they really tell you the real name. And then I, I just I either write down you know uh, 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 Trace Trace Smith or just like something completely different, Trey Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or I just write like uh, J line T line. And it's like, oh, oh, that's just how I write. You can't you can't read it. I'm sorry, that was my record. You know, that's the malicious <laughs> compliance thing. So, because so, what are they going to ask for your ID? Yeah, well, I mean, even if you did that, how are you going to record it? That's the problem. Is like, yeah, you have to do that, but how do we record it? There's not a systemized, systematized way. And if I'm if I'm a mom and pop, uh, you know, sandwich shop or something, I'm probably still just taking orders on a a, a pad, like an order pad sure. or whatever. You think I? I may not even have a, a computerized point of sale system in either. You know, I may just have like a till or whatever. Right. So, so hopefully, hopefully this whole idea of the restaurant registry will down the vine for lack of the, the, the things that you just mentioned, right? The, the coherence and people's compliance, right? Because, I mean, quite frankly, you know, 
if, if it's intended for contact tracing, but if the information is not accurate, then oh, you're yeah. actually going to do more harm than good. <clears throat> Man, if I, yeah, if I, all I know is that if I went to a, a restaurant around here, I, I would, they would say, what's your name? I would say, uh, Jay Pritzker. And what's your what's your address? Uh, my, uh, oh, uh, uh, Springfield, Illinois. You know, give like the state capitol building or whatever. And it's like, what are they gonna do? Say, I'm not gonna serve you. Lane Avenue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. One, one two one two three West Lane. What? <laughs> Just like make something up, like whatever. Like th- there's not and there's not gonna be any way to prove it. And then uh, the other thing is like, yeah, if they make you show an ID, I would print off an, a fake ID like with the name and stuff. And uh, here, uh, when uh, you're getting a new ID, they don't give you the ID at the uh, f- the DMV facility. They literally give you a print off, a piece of paper that has a picture of the new ID on it. And so mm-hmm. it's like I could just be like, man, yeah, I just got a new ID. I haven't gotten the actual card yet. This is my ID <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we actually uh, are going to be able to end this on on a positive note, considering how uh, I think you and I both uh, feel pretty strongly about the oh yeah the the uh, uh, concerns about the this restaurant registry idea, and and hopefully well, it will uh, it could go will, down a dark path. And I and I don't think the it's never the intention of these things. I I, no. I want to be as as generous as possible and say it's. I don't think that that's the intention at here here at all. But the intention of the people who are putting this in place are are uh, those aren't the people I'm worried about. I'm worried about the people who are going to use it as a tool to go down a dark path. Right. I mean, you know, and you said, uh, I think you said this in a previous podcast about good intentions. You know, the the path to hell is paved with good intentions, mm-hmm. um, and and that's why we have to be real careful. And and, and it's difficult. It really is difficult because uh, it's easy to judge people's motives by uh, the fact that you disagree with with what they're suggesting or what they're supporting. Sure. Um, and it's it's easy to be over overly emotional about it too. It's it's hard to disengage that and try to rationally approach the topic. And and that's the, that's the problem with this order. And this is to be the literally the last thing I say about it. I think that that's literally the biggest problem with this order is that once you approach it with any modicum of rationality it just falls apart on its face because it it just doesn't do what it intends to do and in fact right. it, it's 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 like I said it's silly. I just think it's silly. In, in the emotional aspect right now during this this pandemic situation that we're all facing everything is is hyper emotional sure. and understandably and so are, that's the problem and so you have to be doubly vigilant to not let that infect you exactly well all right i think we ended up on a positive note i think yeah. we both have a smile on our face so that's that's a good thing <laughs> I, I like those conversations all right so uh i guess till next time jordan all right well it was a good conversation we'll see you